Well, if you are a guest amongst us uh, this morning, two things. First of all, don't be a stranger, come back. And secondly, you may have gathered already that this is not one of our regular services today. <clears throat> Actually, I find we say that more and more often. Today's not a regular service. I'm beginning to wonder what a regular service is because we change them up, so <laughs> we quite often say that. It's not a regular service today, it's a healing service. It's not a regular service today, it's a baptism service. It's not a regular service today, it's an Easter service. Pretty soon, I can't remember when it is, in a few weeks' time, it won't be a regular service because Watoto's Children's Choir will be, will be with us. And uh, today is not a regular service because it's Vision Sunday. And um, we, are, we are halfway through our current vision for this church, our current plan, which is called the 2020 vision. And so we originally, it was a five-year plan. We started it two and a half years ago. We've got two and a half years to go because it takes us to the end of the year 2020. And uh, thankfully, oh, thankfully, the Mayan calendar was wrong and everything else was wrong. And it's funny when you're cre creating a five-year plan, you know, because then on the internet comes all of these videos about how the world is going to end before your five-year plan is, is finished. And um, so it's good that they were all wrong and God was right in giving us a five-year plan in the first place. So he knew we would still be here. So we've got two and a half years still to go. And uh, so the reason we've called it 2020 vision is because it is based on um, a number of things. Number one, it's actually based on a verse of scripture, which I, don't, I should have put on the screen, but I don't have. Um, Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 20. Acts 2020. I mean, like we've read this scripture out a hundred times over the last two and a half years, I'm sure. Acts 2020 is where the Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of Christians from the city of Ephesus. And he says to them, you know that I taught you those things which were helpful. Anybody ever sat through a sermon in a church and it just was not helpful at all? Is anybody? I can put up both hands and both feet for that one. In fact, I'm pretty sure on a few occasions I've preached one that maybe wasn't that helpful. But that verse there really challenged me that, you know, there's lots of topics in the Bible we could discuss, you know? And there's lots of strange interpretations of verses in the Bible that we could find. If you don't believe that, just go to the History Channel and find ancient aliens. And they will tell you all kinds of strange things. But none of it is helpful. But God has given us Scripture, not so we can argue about it, so we can debate other people about it, so we can come up with the weirdest and most wonderful explanation of it, but he has given it to us to help us. God wants to help you. He wants to help you find faith in him. He wants to help you discover your life purpose. He wants to help you overcome your problems and difficulties. God wants to help you live the life he created you to live in the first place. And therefore, he has given us a book full of wisdom principles that we can teach 
in a way which is helpful, which helps people get on with their everyday life and actually live their faith in the real world. And so that's what we, we try to do that as much as possible. We try to present the Word of God in a way which is helpful which is practical, which is down to earth, that you can put into practice while you're walking across the parking lot, and, and, or maybe on the way in when someone steals your space, and you remember that last week's message was about peace of mind and forgiveness of others, <laughs> and you put it into practice, right? So, it's helpful. He says, I preached to you and I taught you those things which were helpful, and then he says, I did it both publicly and in homes. So this tells us two things about a church. This tells us that a church should help people. It should help. And, and I don't just mean practically speaking, and we do. You know, we partner with different groups, the Ronald McDonald House and uh, the Mustard Seed and Hope Mission, and then uh, internationally people like Watoto and our international workers and things like that, because we want to practically help people. But we don't just want to help everybody else while our, our own life goes down the drain hole and disappears. We want to be helped too. I want to be helped. I want to live a better life. I want to be a better person. I want to know God more. And I want his love to be in my life and shine through my life more. I want God to work in me and work through me. And I'm sure you do too. That's why we're in the family of God. And so we want a church that is that teaches the Word of God in a way which is helpful and which helps us become everything God intended us to be. And we also want to be a kind of church which has two different um, venues or environments for that to happen in. Paul says, I taught you those things publicly and in your homes. And so, in other words, we want to be a church that has public gatherings like this, services where the whole church family gather together, which are open to the public, that anybody can come in, and uh, can be part of our public worship gatherings here on a Sunday. But we also want to have smaller communities. Like the Apostle Paul said, some of ours also meet in homes, home groups, house parties, house churches, things like that. Some of them meet here at the building in various rooms and things like that, but we want to be a church that has smaller communities where young people can get together, where children can get together, where women can get together, where newly married couples can get together, where just a mixture of people can get together. And so we are creating all of these things in order to become the type of church that we see depicted in the scriptures, a church which is encouraging and which is life-giving and which is growing because the people are growing. And as we become bigger people, growing people cause everything to grow. And so Acts 2020, another reason we've chosen the number 2020 is because, like I said, it was a five-year plan taking us to the end of the year 2020. Another reason we've chosen the word 2020 is because 2020 vision is perfect vision. I remember the days when I had 2020 vision. But not that long ago, I decided after buying all these terrible dollar store reading glasses to go and get my eyes tested, and I discovered that those days are no longer with me, those days of 2020 vision. But 2020 vision 
means you have good sight, both long distance and nearsightedness. You're able to read things close, you're able to see things far away, your eyes are able to focus on the close-up thing, or with me, the close-up thing, <laughs> and your eyes are just as well, this is low, if this was one of these high things, I would have to be up on a, on a stand, you know? Um, like Mark Zuckerberg on his big booster seat at, uh, did, you ever, did you see that? I would need one of those. So, um, but also you're able to focus on things a long distance. And the reason we chose that, another reason we chose that phrase was because we wanted to be able to see five years ahead. What do we want this church to look like in five years time? But we didn't just want to have this pipe dream of what was going to happen in five years' time, and we didn't really, we we're just going to stumble about in the dark in the meantime. No, we wanted to know what the next step was, and the next step was. We needed to know what, we had a vision for what the next thing we needed to do was, and the ultimate long-distance goal. And another reason we chose the word 2020 is because of these communities, I taught you publicly and in homes, because of these communities that we have, our goal is, by the end of 2020, to have 20 groups or communities with at least 20 people in them by the end of 2020, which will mean, and by that time, our church will have, in its current trajectory, we should have about 800 people in regular attendance, about 1,000 people in our big days. So let's just take a regular attendance. 2020 is 400 people. In other words, a goal, one of our goals is that at least half of the people who are part of this church family have also found a smaller group or community or team to get involved in as well. 2020, Acts 2020, 2020 Vision, 2020 AD, 20 groups of 20. There's four things. Maybe we could come up with 20 things. That, that might be too many. So, that is our vision. And what we want to do is we want to just look briefly at the last season we've been in, particularly the last year, and then we want to look at the next season that we're, we are now starting this year. So I've got three things about the last season, three things about the next season. So let's, let's look at them first of all. The last season. I want to share with you some encouraging news about baptisms. We had great, a great time with baptisms. Do you know that last year we baptized in this tank 44 people who made a decision to follow Jesus? Isn't that good news? <clears throat> our, our peak is 50 in one year. And um, uh, it's just great that we seem to baptize between 40 and 50 people every year over the last few years. Hey, a couple of weeks ago, we baptized another 17. That brings a total to 61 people who said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but I love baptism services because um, it shows that people are taking their faith seriously and are prepared not just to say a quiet prayer in their heart while they sit in the back row, no offense to you in the back row, but while you sit in the back row, say a quiet prayer, but they are prepared to go public with their faith, even get wet. And if they didn't bring a change of clothes, even put some shapeless t-shirt and pair of shorts that we found in the dollar store on backstage and don't care what they look like. 
because they have decided to go public with their faith. And I just love the fact that people are getting baptized regularly. You know, I remember, um, I remember the very first service that I was at here. I don't know if, is, is Neil here this morning? Neil McClellan, is he here? No. Mark that down, somebody. Neil is absent today. Send him an email and say we want his tithe anyway by electronic. Neil, who's one of our former board members, Neil was getting baptized that day. And, um, but baptisms were, so, were kind of rare in those days. It reminds me of that verse where it says, in the Old Testament, it says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, you know? Baptisms were kind of rare, so much so that maybe just one person got baptized at a time, which meant they were able to stand and give their whole testimony and all of that kind of thing. And that, that was the first service I was at. I watched Neil being baptized, and that was how I met him and got to know him. And um, now, to see the number of people a couple of weeks ago, I felt sorry for the band having to play another song and another song. It's like, how many people are coming from behind that, the magic curtain? You know, it's like, it reminds, some of our baptism, you know those, remember those little comedy skits you used to see when, when like a, a, a little small car would open and 3,000 clowns would climb out of it or something like that, you know? It was like, how many people are coming from behind that? Do you know Jesus said the angels of heaven rejoice when one person comes to faith? 61 people. Can we give a big rejoicing today, folks? Really excited to see the people being baptized. The next thing about the last season, which is exciting, is... We have a whole load of groups. Remember I talked about 20 groups of 20 people. We've got a whole load of groups that you can be a part of at Gateway. You know, we tend to say that our, the kind of mission statement of our church, um, we've got two, two sayings. One of them is love God, love people, love life. And that's based on what Jesus said. Jesus said the most important things to know are love the Lord your God, Love your neighbor as yourself or other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your life as well. Love God, love people, love life. But another thing that we say is connect, grow, and serve. We say connect on a Sunday. You're connecting with people. You're connecting with God, connecting with Scripture. Connect on a Sunday. Grow in a group and serve on a team. Well, these are our groups. And look at the ones in red. These are all new groups that have just started or just about to start. Here are the groups that we have. We've got our Alpha course. We've got the Marriage course, which is currently running um, right now. And we're about to start the new Dave Ramsey teaching course, Financial Peace course. The Financial Peace course is, is uh, Dave Ramsey is a Christian, but he's also a financial advisor and um, teaches um, from a biblical base, but also from a modern day banking situation, shows you how to budget, how to pay off debts, how to deal with the issues that you're dealing with and so on. And we're gonna be starting that course soon. We also have six communities that meet in homes. Some of them call themselves house parties, some of them call themselves house churches. And we've got a new one that is just starting as well. We've got slightly larger groups like our Women's Encounter Night, 
We have got Encounter, which is our youth and young, young adults night. And also, um, bet- uh, we've also got our senior high house party, our Friday night small groups. Do you know that between junior and senior high, um, over the last maybe just over a year, we've actually doubled in numbers? And we have up to 100 a, a young people that are part of this, and hey, they want to be, they're not being dragged here by their parents. They wa- How many of you think it's exciting that teenagers actually want to come to church? And so, we are really excited for all of the stuff that's happening, especially the, the, our youth director, Darren, and his volunteer team, who are amazing, are doing with the youth. Um, we've also got our African Swahili speaking ministry, um, good one. We've also got Equip, which is a community where our volunteers and so on come together. And also new is a ladies' Bible study, a men's group, and coming soon will be a, I don't know what, what, what they want to call it, South American, Hispanic, Spanish-speaking, Latino e Latina. I don't know what they want to call it, but there will be a, span, we have a growing number of um, uh, people from South America that are part of the church now, and um, you know, one of the families uh, from the church, they ha- I'm sure you've seen the things are not so good in Venezuela at the moment, and people are trying to get out. And one of the families who managed to leave and come to Canada and settled here, um, uh, the man, Felix, was a pastor um, in Venezuela, and uh, he's, he immediately, as he became part of this church, he says, I want to be part of this church. I used to be a pastor in Venezuela. Uh, we've just moved here, trying to get settled in. I want to volunteer to help the Spanish-speaking community in any way I can. And so we said yes, and we're excited about that. So look, over 300 people are involved in small groups and communities. We're pretty close to our goal. In two and a half years, we want to have at least 400 people involved in small groups and communities. So that is really exciting. One more thing about the last season. Our attendance at big days. Look at this. On Easter Sunday last year, we had 727 people here. At fall kickoff, we had 761. And at Christmas, we had 841. God is building his church. And for all three of those services, we had to rent extra chairs and we had to use the foyer as an overflow area. And um, it's not the best overflow area at the moment. So we're realizing that as we're looking to the new season, we have to look at the last season. We have to look at how things are progressing and what God has been doing. Let me me just give you an illustration. When I first came to this church nine and a half years ago, um, on the average Sunday, there there was about 100 people. On a good Sunday, there was 120. I remember there was one very bad Sunday. Somebody told me about it. I think it was just a few weeks before I came, and they said there was like, I can't remember, I think they said there was 30 cars in the parking lot. And, um, and they thought, oh my goodness, it's got... Do you know what Jesus said? I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Jesus has been building this church over the last few years, and do you know how he does it? He doesn't do it on his own. You know, he doesn't fly over the church in a magic carpet and wave his magic wand. That's not how Jesus does it. We are the body of Christ. He does it through you. 
When you volunteer, God is working through you. When you invite somebody, God is working through you. When you give money into the offering, God is working through you. When you pray for this church, God is working through you. You are the body of Christ. And he has been building his church. And it's just been great to see your attendance gradually and continually increase. And as we've looked at this increase last year, especially at our three big days, we know that um, do you want to just put those numbers up again, those, that last slide? Those, those are like our largest services, and it, kind of on an average Sunday, it's more like 550 or something like that, but these are our bigger services. Our goal is, by the end of 2020, that that, that figure is the figure that we have at our normal service. Some of you might remember when we first started doing these big days. Remember we used to make them extra special. We kind of had a, a normal service. We had a little bit of worship, a sermon. We closed the service, have a coffee, go home. You know, that kind of thing. But then on those, we used to do something special. We brought in extra, um, I was going to say extra magicians, but it was musicians. <laughs> Although I think we might have brought in magicians one time. I can't remember. We certainly brought in jugglers and things like that a couple of times and people dancing with fire and things. Do you remember we used to make these, like this was our average service and we used to make those services a little bit special? And then you know what happened? Because we have a fantastic team, and I want to say this because I travel around other churches. Drake does too. We sometimes consult with other churches. Mitch does as well. He consults with other churches too, and so we see what's going on in other churches. And whenever I come back here, I say, thank God for the staff team, the board team, and the volunteers that we have in Gateway. They are amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing people. Because when we go to other churches, that's what they, we can't get any volunteers. Nobody will do anything to help out. We pay a worship leader, but he never actually prepares anything. You know, all of this. And I look at our team and I think we have got great people. And so because we have got a great team, the quality of our regular services gradually increased to meet what we did on special occasions. Well, the next goal is that the attendance will do the same. Now, I know that some people say, what do numbers matter? God isn't interested in numbers. God's only interested in people's hearts. You're absolutely right. I want 841 people's hearts changed every week, not just 550. The more people who are here, the more people who are worshiping God, the more people who are hearing the message from Scripture, the more people who are praying the prayers, the more hearts that are being changed, the more sinners are being forgiven, the more drug addicts are being delivered, the, the, the more people who are lost are being found, the more families are being put back together again. It's not about numbers, people. Can I say this? It's not about numbers. It's about changed lives and changed families. And that's what God's all about, and that's what we're all about. Okay, the next season. Everybody shout the next season. Next season. Put up my first next season slide, please. Equipping. We started, maybe a couple of years ago, we started to, we started it a little bit and we did it seriously last year and now we're into it properly this year, is three times a year we put on a special event called Equip. 
And the reason we do that is because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4 is a passage that talks about church leaders and preachers and teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then it tells us what their job is. And surprisingly, it doesn't say their job is to do the work of the ministry. It doesn't say that. What it says is this, their job is to equip God's people, that's you, so that they can do the work of the ministry and build up the church. So that's why we do this. Three times a year we have these special events called Equip, and um, we have them in the foyer at the moment, although once we outgrow that, we'll probably have to move them in here. We have them all at round tables. Uh, we cater it and all of that kind of stuff. And all of our volunteers are invited to that. Not just our leaders, but all of our small group leaders are there and our community leaders and people that lead different teams and, and, and ministries in the church, but also the people who volunteer in Gateway Kids, the people who volunteer in Accelerate Youth, in the worship team, in the technical arts, in ushering, in the cafe, in any area. If you volunteer in any area of the church, then we encourage you to come along and be part of those equip nights. Now, if you're the kind of person who likes secrets, we reveal our secrets at the equip night before we reveal them here. Because I'm about to reveal a secret in a moment. I'm sure it's not a secret. I'm sure everybody who came to the equip night and heard it gossiped it all around the church and you all know already. Anyway, but we told it to them, an announcement I'm about to make in a minute, we told it to them first. Because they're the people who serve and volunteer and come out to be trained and to be encouraged. And what we do with that, the reason we cater it and we put on a buffet and so on, and people have time to fellowship together, is because we want to show our appreciation to our volunteers and say thank you. We also want to share with them some exciting vision news of the church. And also, there's also a section in there where the, we break into groups. You know, maybe Lauren will take all the children's volunteers to one room, and, and Mitch might take all the worship and creative arts volunteers to another place, so on, and they'll talk about their teams and pray for them, and then come back together again. And if you volunteer in any way, can I encourage you to be a part of our equip nights? And if you don't volunteer in any way, can I encourage you to volunteer in some way and then be a part of our equipment? Nice. Get into the core. That's the core of the church. Do you know, if an apple goes bad, it's on the outside usually. And you cut the bad bit away because the core's okay, you know? Sometimes people are hanging on to the outside of the church. You know, they come along occasionally, but they don't really get involved. And then life batters them and bruises them, and they say, I just don't know why God is allowing this to... Get into the core of the church. See if you keep rolling, rolling over and falling out of the bed in the middle of, time, of the night. Get into the middle of the bed. Right? Don't sleep on the edge. I want to nudge the person on either side and tell them, get into the core of the church. Go ahead and do that. The next thing, put up our next one, the next season. In the next season that we're coming into, we want to do two, oh no, did I forget some photographs of Equip? Stick them up. 
So there's our equip night in the foyer. We still do worship and so on. There's me spouting off all my wisdom, you know. There's, uh, there's us, uh, people helping themselves at the buffet and so on. So that's the kind of night. Next slide then, next slide. Our next season, we've got two big projects that we want to do here in the church. Again, for the guests among us, we don't do this every week. We don't ask for large sums of money. Or it, this is just an unusual service you've come to. And guess what, Mr. Guest and Mrs. Visitor? Guess what? I know it's your first time, but if you want to give money, we'll take your money too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> don't feel obliged to, but we, don't want, we, we won't tie your hands behind your back if you really want to. Two big projects. One of them is we need to turn the foyer into a proper overflow area. You know, normally in churches, when, uh, when the auditorium reaches its maximum capacity, we would go to two services. And you know we've talked about this before. Should we or shouldn't we? Should we or shouldn't we? But one of the things that everybody seems to feel is everyone loves the exciting atmosphere in our services on a Sunday and doesn't want to cut it in half at the moment. I mean, at one point, we will need to do that, but we want to stay together in one service as long as possible. So we wondered, I know that's not the usual advice, and, and uh, what should we do about this? And so when Carl George, who's a church consultant, was with us recently, and he is still consulting with us, but he was here on a weekend and took part in one of our services, and we asked his advice, and he said it's the same thing. He said, what's going on on a Sunday is good. You don't want to dilute it. I would look for a way to make that that foyer a better overflow than it currently is. The other thing that we needed to do is, if you, do you want to just lift the house lights a little bit, people? And if you all look over your shoulder to that back corner there, um, see that, that cupboard, that closet up there? That one? There's one on the other side there, but you'll see there's no doors on that. Used to, they used to be two storage closets. We used to keep all of our chairs in there because we hardly needed any chairs out here. So both of them were filled. But then as the church grew, we no longer needed that as a chair storage cupboard, and it became an office for the daycare. Now we've got this one, and we've got some chairs and so on in there, but what we want to do there is we want to turn that into a parent's room. And to do both of those projects, the overflow in the foyer and the parents' room here, is going to cost $30,000, which incidentally, if you know about these things, is remarkably cheap for those two projects. Let me just give you, and later on, not right now, but in five minutes' time or so, we're going to be dealing with today's special offering. And this is what we're asking for, $30,000 over and above our regular giving, and this is the reason for it, so we can accomplish these two goals in our premises. Now, I asked Mitch to give me a mock-up of the overflow in the foyer. And so this is what it's going to look like. You see there, if you know what it looks like at the moment, we've left the, that's the painting that's hanging on the wall. It's a big painting. But that's to give you an idea of the size of the screen. Here's our info desk in the middle of the room. And so what we're, and if you see above that, there's me on the screen. <laughs> I'm wearing the same thing that I'm wearing today. <laughs> Although I've got blue jeans on there, I can see that. 
Anyway, so there, there is a video screen there. It's not going to be a projector one. It's going to be like an L, what do you call it? What are they called nowadays? Is that what they're called? Okay, LED, whatever they're called. It's going to be a flat screen, whatever, right? It's going to be like that, you know, joined together like that. You know, like you sometimes see in an airport or a hotel foyer or so on. And the great thing about this is that is actually quite a big screen. If you get into the foyer and you compare it to the size of that picture, that is quite a big screen. But in the future, if we wanted to, you can, we can enlarge it by just adding on units if we really wanted to. And so anyone in the foyer is going to be able to watch the service. <laughs> and are going to see everything in the foyer, because at the moment on those two side monitors, all they see is what we are putting on the screen. They don't see the stage, right? So those two side monitors will still be there, but anyone in the foyer will be able to see everything that we see. Also above it, do you see that speaker there? That is going to put out sound in there of the same quality, the same mix. I know there's kind of little speakers around the building. If you've ever gone to the washroom during the worship, you will know that it sounds a lot worse out there than it sounds in here because of the cheap speakers and all that. But that is going to be of the same quality so that the sound and vision in the foyer will be of exactly the same quality as it is in here. So it kind of won't matter where you are, you're going to get the full church experience. So that is one of our projects. Now, I w we were trying to find good pictures of what our parents' room would look like, and we couldn't find any that are going to be as nice as our room's going to be. So ours is going to be nicer than this. But here's a couple. You get the idea. Imagine you go into that room through a door, and there's windows there, but the windows, you, you won't be able to see in from this side, but you'll be able to see through from the other side. You know, like, like that time you were arrested, and, and the, you know that? Right. <laughs> we are going to have nicer chairs and furniture and all of that in there, but it's going to mean that parents or nursing mothers or whoever are going to be able to take babies or young children that refuse to go into Gateway Kids. Or You'll be able to take them in there. You will be able to see the service. You'll be able to hear the service. Um, this is just another way that, like Drake was talking about partnership, that we want to partner with you, and particularly with parents of young children, in order to accomplish that. And so both of those projects are going to cost 30000 to do them both, done and dusted. I'll come back to that in a minute. Because we've got one other. So the next season, I'm encouraging you to be part of Equip because we're ramping Equip up to a whole new level. Number two, we've got two big projects that we want to do. And number three is our communities. We feel that this next season is one that we need to begin to emphasize our communities. As our church grows, new people coming into the church are going to find it hard to get to know people. Yeah, you can talk to people over a coffee for 15 minutes after the service. You can say hello to somebody during the one-minute welcome, you know. But really get to know people and find a place that they enjoy. We want to emphasize our communities. Now, our communities involve a number of things. They are our groups and things like that, the, the ones that we had up on the screen. But our community ministry also involves what we call milestones here in the church. 
Milestones are major events, like when somebody comes to faith in Christ, that's a milestone in their life. When somebody chooses to be baptized, that is a milestone in their life. When somebody brings their baby or their child on the platform to be dedicated to God, that is a milestone. When somebody gets married, that's a milestone. I suppose when they die, it's a gravestone, but we call the whole thing... We call the whole thing our milestones, okay? The major cradle to the grave and all of the major events in your life. And then, of course, there's pastoral care, you know, counseling, hospital visitation, visiting shut-ins at home and so on. And one of the problems with, with this, and, and I apologize for the fact that we have been weaker at this area than we really should have been, folks. And we want to be better at it. And we, but we can, you can only do one thing at a time, but this is a time to do something about this. And as we looked at this, you see, when I first came on staff, as well as my other duties, I had to kind of look after these things. Didn't do it as well as I should, but kind of looked after it. Did weddings and funerals and baptisms and all that. Did some hospital visitation. Was never any good at it. Went into somebody, said, how are you feeling? Not very good. Okay, I'm going to pray with you and anoint you with oil. Right, now what do I do? You know, it's like, oh, bye. <laughs> you know, I don't know what else to do. I'm not really good at those things. But other people are good at them. But then when Drake came on staff, as well as his many other duties, he had to take this on as well. And as we felt that we really have to emphasize this, that this is a time for our church to really begin to discover community and pastoral care, we realized that we really need a pastor who's in charge of pastoral ministry. I mean, duh, you know? So we need a pastor to look after pastoral ministry. But here was our problem. We didn't have enough money in our, in our payroll to do that. Um, we had a little bit of money in our budget um, to take on somebody part-time, but we did not have a, enough money in our budget. And anyway, on top of all that, the budget that the board had approved had not yet been presented to the congregation for approval. But two weeks ago, we gave out our, um, what do you call it, annual report, and it had all of that stuff in it. And this morning, all of our members were able to, to uh, affirm or not those things. And just before I got on the, the stage this morning, I was told that all four items that we voted for at the beginning of the service were all approved with flying colors. Okay, so thank you very much. Which, which means that we had a little section in our payroll which would enable us to take on somebody part-time. So we're looking at this and we're thinking, we really need a pastor. But we can't take on a pastor. We don't have it in our budget. We don't have enough money to take on another pastor. I wonder if there's somebody we could take on part-time, but this is quite a lot of work to do. And so we began to pray about it. And as we began to pray about it, it became absolutely clear who should be part of the staff team in this church. Just press the next button. Pastor Jackson Houlihan. <laughs> 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 
Pastor Jackson has been a good friend of Gateway for a, a number of years now, and we love him, and he's came here a number of times and has spoken. Actually, uh, he baptized one of his own kids in the baptism tank here, one of the 17, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, but we thought, hold on a minute, we've got a part-time salary. to Anyway, so I was having lunch one day with... Uh, Jackson at Five Guys Burgers and Fries. And as we were cracking open our peanuts, I said to him, Jackson, what kind of thing? No, first of all, he was saying to me, I just know that I'm at a time in my life that I'm, I'm supposed to leave my old ministry and I'm praying that God will open a door somewhere new. And I'm inside saying, shut up, don't let it out yet, Martin. Just hold it in, keep praying. I know the staff, I know we've talked about this, the staff and the board, and we've prayed about it, but... but and then I said, Jackson, what kind of things do you like doing? And he said to me, well, you might not believe this, but I love things like hospital visitation. I'm like, you're hired. <laughs> no, that, that wasn't what I said. What I said was, how would you feel dropping to a part-time salary? In fact, how would you feel coming on staff for no pay for two months and then going to part-time after that, and we don't know when we're going to be able to pay you full-time. He says, let me ask my wife and ask God. Always a good idea, ask God and ask your wife. <laughs> and they both said yes. So, <clears throat> so, in a moment, we're going to pray over Jackson and Joy and their family. And as from today, we are regarding Jackson as part of the staff team, a pastor on staff here at Gateway Alliance Church. Now, yeah, it's great. And he, he will take charge of those, that area of ministry called community. He will be our pastor of community. But for May and, and June, he's going to be volunteer because we don't yet have the money in the budget. It kicks in at the end of June. That is, unless, of course, you give so much money today that we bust that 30,000 right out of the water and we've got enough money to start them sooner. It's up to you whether how much you love them. <laughs> if we can take them on sooner, we will. If not, he is going to be a volunteer pastor on staff for May and June. At the end of June, he will then come on part-time. We will again keep them on part-time until we see the weekly offerings. Once they are larger than our estimated offerings are in our budget, then we will be able to increase his hours. We wish we could just do it all today in one go, but uh, we're going to have to do it in stages. And I am so grateful that we have got a family that just love God and love this church so much that they were willing to do it. So I want to invite up the Houlihan family. Come on up on the stage, folks. Come on, church. Let's give them a welcome. Hey, come on. Is, uh, where is Drake in the room? Is Drake Farmer? Come on up. Oh, it's going to be good to have another pastor on staff and we can pass all the things we don't want to do onto him. That would be great, wouldn't it? 
This family are amazing. We love them and they love us. And you want to know something? They love this church. In fact, Joy said to Jackson, maybe I shouldn't say this publicly, but she said to him, even if you don't take the job, I'm going to Gateway anyway, she said. (laughs) And so we are delighted to have, I want you to reach your hands out towards them. Drake and I are going to lay hands on them and pray a blessing upon them and set Jackson in as one of our on-staff pastors. Do you want a microphone or something? Will I just say the prayer out loud? Okay. Father God, we thank you for the Houlihan family. We thank you for their love for you and for the way they have served you and for the way it is just a perfect fit, like two pieces of a jigsaw puzzle coming together as they become... Lord, it's almost like you designed it all along, and we believe you did. And we thank you that today is a day of new beginnings. New beginnings for Jackson and Joy and their children, and they've already settled in here, and Lord, they're already loved by the people here. And it's also a new day for the church here at Gateway. I believe our church will be stronger, it will be better, it will have more of your love and your presence as this family are amongst us because we know that they are all about love, the love of God and the grace of God. So as they come to share your grace with others, we ask that you would pour your grace upon them. We pray, Father God, that you would supply all their needs spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and financially through gateway and through whatever other means that you're able to do, bless them abundantly, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's give them one last. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you, man. Go ahead and take a seat. One last, oh my goodness, we've gone over time and we've got one last thing to do. Don't leave before the last thing. The last thing is it's, it's time to give our money. You know, I said that for those two projects, we needed $30,000. We're, we're not talking about our regular tithes and offerings. We're talking about a one-time gift. Now, I know 30,000 seems a lot, but as you see there, if you break it down, 30 families in the church or 30 couples, or 30 individuals giving $1,000 each would do it. Or 60 families, or couples, or individuals giving $500 would do it. Or 100 giving $300. I mean, you might be sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, you don't know my financial situation. All I can give is like 20 bucks. Well, give it then. (laughs) If that's all you... Nobody is going to judge you you remember Jesus saw rich people putting money in and then he saw a widow who put in the widow's mite and Jesus said she was far more generous? You know? So I know we're all at different financial places, but let's give whatever we can. But anyway, this is not actually quite true yet because we have two, two leadership teams in the church. We have our board and we have our staff. Our board are not on staff, they are lay members of the church who oversee and look after all the legal and financial and business and so on side of the church. Then we have our staff who are employees, but they look after the running, the day-to-day running of the church and its ministries and functions and so on. So that's our two leadership teams. 
What we did in our leadership teams was we emailed our bookkeeper, Lynette, how much money we were going to give into this offering. So I already know that between the board and the staff, we already have more than $6,000 of this already given, which means, which means we're dropping this total to 24. So all we're looking for in order to meet this target is another $24,000 as a one-time gift. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. Have I got that one? Did I, did I give you that verse? I did. Remember this. If you give little, you will get little. A farmer who plants just a few seeds will get a small crop. But if he plants much, he will reap much. Everyone must make up his own mind how much he should give. You need to make up your own mind right now. Don't force anyone to give more than he really wants to. Why is that? Because cheerful givers are the ones God prefers, prizes. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to joyfully give to others. Man, that part, we should have that written, you should have that written down and stuck on your mirror, your bathroom mirror. Isn't that an amazing promise from God? You cannot outgive God. If we look after God's house, God will look after our house. Okay, so we're going to get ready to give. Um, do I have a giving slide before we watch that little video clip? Here's the way you can give. You can give by cash or by check. You can use the, the offering envelope. Just write somewhere vision, vision on it. So I've written on mine, I've, I've put my money at the bit that says other and I've wrote vision so that they know it's going into the vision offering. You can give by cash, by check, by debit machine. I gave by debit machine today, so my debit machine receipt is in here. It's located in the foyer. You can give online, give.ac. You can text any amount to that number. Or if you want to take part in the offering, but you're not able to actually give the money today, but you want to give the money by, what does that say? I don't have my glasses. Does that say June what? You're able to give the money by June 10th. You know, in other words, you've got at least another payday coming before you give the money in. Then you can put a pledge card in saying, here's how much money I'm giving in the vision offering, but I will put the actual money in by June 10th. Okay. Also on this same card, maybe you're so excited about the things you've heard and you want to come to equip and all that, you're going to become a partner today. Check the box if that's what you're going to do. So, envelopes for cash, check, debit machine, pledge cards. They can both go in the, bas the buckets that we're going to have here. Um, or you can text or you can give online. We're going to watch a little video clip. It's just a minute long. And I'm just putting that on while you get your offerings ready. We might need to have the house lights a little higher than we normally do during a video so that people can see what they're doing. If you want to run out to the debit machine, now's the time to do it. If you want to run to the washroom, now's not the time to do it because you've only got one minute, okay? 
Just hold on to it for a minute longer. Right, let's watch this video clip while we get our offerings ready. Okay, let's all stand together. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to say a prayer first. And then the band are going to lead us in a song, a closing song. During that closing song, come out of your seat down the front. We're not just going to silently and Canadianly pass the bucket. We're going to come down the front. What kind of givers is it that God prizes? Say it again. Put a big cheerful smile. Now, do cheerful people just pass the bucket with a frown on their head? Do they? Do cheerful people kind of walk down reluctantly and throw their offering in? No. Cheerful people dance and sing and clap and shout and jump. Especially when they're giving away their money. There's a, there's a place in the Bible where the disciples were so full of the Holy Spirit, people thought they were drunk. Have you ever noticed the way drunk people give all their money away? Let's be so full of the generosity of God, we feel drunk. If you've got an offering envelope, hold it up. If you're using a pledge card, hold it up. If you give online or by text, hold up your phone. But hold up something. Hold up something. If you don't have anything to hold up, just hold up a hand because it's the, the generous hand is what gives. Let's say this together. Are we ready? Let's say, Father God, today I bring this church before you. This is your church. Build us. Bless us. Use us. Send us. We bring you this offering and we ask you to multiply it. Use it to advance your kingdom. And as we sow, so shall we reap. As we give, it is given back to us. So may this gift and every giver be blessed abundantly in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted, Amen. Let's dance and give and shout and praise. Come on, church.